Thank you, Andrea and musicians, uh, for that selection, reminding us that Christ can be born again in us um, and we can be the light of the world. You know, at this time of the year, we have typical passages that we hear read, right? Um, you may especially remember a passage from Luke's gospel about the shepherds appearing, and you may remember passages in the scripture about Christ's birth. And, and if you're listening carefully, if you've been here for a number of years, you'll notice that there are certain passages, mostly Old Testament passages, that are read each Sunday of Advent preceding the lighting of those candles. They're traditional passages, and the church has come to see them as prophetic passages related to Christ's coming from the Old Testament. But it's probably likely that when you think of traditional Christmas passages, you don't think of John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Or perhaps you don't think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not as though you don't believe those things, it's just that those passages don't seem to come to the top of your memory concerning Christmas passages. But those passages, and many like them throughout the Old and the New Testament, relate to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 11 that were just read. Why? Because central to those few verses, 9 through 11, is a key figure. It is a shepherd who cares for his sheep. And of course, the church traditionally has identified that shepherd in the words of Isaiah as foretelling the coming of the great shepherd that is Jesus Christ. In light of that, I thought it important for us just to remind ourselves in this Christmas season about what a shepherd does. That is, what God, our good shepherd, is for us. The first thing I notice about shepherds is that they provide for their sheep. All you have to do is think about shepherds on a Galilean hillside or anywhere else, and you realize that those shepherds provide for their sheep. If you think of Psalm 23, one of the first things that comes to mind is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me into green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know, the two references there are the essence of life for a sheep. Nothing could be more important to a sheep than those two things. Green pastures and still waters. The shepherd provides for our essential needs. That must be why Paul and other authors in the New Testament, understanding Christ as the good shepherd and how God supplies our need, to say things like, God will supply your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul also is the one who said, God will supply your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, but also in the midst of plenty or in the midst of want. I've learned to be content. Why? Because the Lord supplies everything I need, even if on occasion it doesn't seem to be so. One thing that's remarkable about this good shepherd, unlike shepherds on the hills of Palestine or other places, this good shepherd, the one in the Old and New Testament, primarily fulfilled in Jesus Christ is the sovereign God of the universe. So good shepherds would like to supply everything to their sheep. 
But good human shepherds do not have the capacity to supply everything to their sheep. The sovereign God, who is called a shepherd in the Old Testament, fulfilled in Jesus Christ in the New, is the one who has all things at his disposal. And thus we ask, we ask our good shepherd to supply our needs, knowing full well that he can do it completely. Not only does a shepherd provide our needs, a shepherd comforts us. You notice in the passage that was read, there's a description of the shepherd holding the sheep. He comforts them. But before that, we didn't read it, though it was there in chapter 40. We hear these words concerning comfort. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That's an interesting kind of comfort, isn't it? It's a comfort that comes from forgiveness of sins. One of the most incredible comforts comes from forgiveness of sins. You may know that comfort and you may identify with it when you think of people. I can think of a number of times where I've experienced deep comfort when someone has forgiven me. I've been a husband for a long time now, way more than 30 years, and a father for a lot of years. And I don't think I've ever been affected so deeply and comforted so much as when I've offended, been angry with, been just not the person I ought to have been to my family. And my wife forgives me. It's almost hard to remember without getting a little emotional, but thinking about my children. They were very, very young. And I hadn't been a very good father for one reason or another. And looking to them and saying, sweetie, daddy, sorry. And tiny little faces looking into mine and saying, daddy, I forgive you. Talk about comfort. There's not much more than that that goes more deeply. Comfort, says God, my people. I want them to know that their sins have been forgiven. In Jesus Christ, His coming into the world, I offer you comfort because I forgive you. A good shepherd does comfort his sheep. And of course, it begins with forgiveness of sins. That's when we understand it so deeply. But we also know that comfort comes throughout life, right? We know that it's not just about forgiveness of sins. It's about comfort when we're in difficult times. Because our Good Shepherd is with us. You too understand that theme in your life, don't you? In, in some of the worst times of your life, who do you turn to for comfort? I, I don't know who that is for you, but I think you would immediately say, this person. It might be a spouse. It might be a parent. It may be a very dear friend. But you turn to them in those times 
for comfort. I think about this time of the year because so often it seems that we have memories, memories that go deep of loss this time of the year. When you remember those who used to be with you at Christmas or Thanksgiving or other times, and it may be that some of those people are the people who provided deep comfort for you in a way perhaps you didn't experience it anywhere else. Um, those of you who have lost someone and are grieving their loss this year may be thinking of that person. I remember my father who's passed away. I also remember him as a man of incredible comfort. Um, there was nothing quite like the comfort that my dad offered to me and to others. My grand, my, his grandchildren, my children experienced it and would describe it to you in great detail. But he's gone. I can't find comfort in my father any longer. If he were here, even at 53, I still would go to him for his comfort because he was that kind of person. In his absence, there are others who fill in the gap, but primarily the comfort that I seek, long for, and can really experience at the deepest level is the comfort that comes with my good shepherd. But you know, you know, don't you, that that kind of comfort comes with practice. What I mean by that is in the loss of someone, there's a vacuum in your life. And sometimes you may run to your good shepherd, and that is absolutely appropriate. But the more you practice, it sounds odd to speak of a discipline of comfort, but the more you practice going to your good shepherd to supply all your needs, in addition to those other wonderful people in your life, the more you practice going to your shepherd for deep comfort, the more you understand that deep comfort, especially in the loss of another. It's a practice. It's a discipline to go to your shepherd for comfort. But shepherds do that. Shepherds not only provide for our needs, they, they not only comfort, a shepherd protects his sheep. You know that from many references. Uh, you know that from Psalm 23 and other places. You know that from the words of Jesus in John chapter 10. Jesus and the image of the good shepherd um, that goes throughout the Old Testament is a shepherd that protects his sheep. Images of uh, good shepherds that protect their t sheep come to us in, in real human times where a shepherd kept people or things like wild animals at bay so the sheep could not be harmed. Uh, David, for instance, tells Saul in a passage when he's about ready to go before Goliath, I want you to know what kind of shepherd I was. On one occasion, a lion came to take my sheep and I killed it and a bear. Shepherds did that. They protect their sheep. And so does the good shepherd. He protects his sheep. But you know what the good shepherd also does? He protects his sheep even when they're unaware of it. When we forget to ask, when we forget to remember, the Good Shepherd is always near. 
You may say to yourself, as I say to myself, when I read passages in the Psalms about God being our protector and not letting us fall or a sharp stone hit our foot or any calamities come upon us or a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't come nigh you, says the Psalm. I say to myself, really? Really? Does God protect that way? I guess I have to be honest and the answer is no. Oh, hang on. I'm not a heretic. I don't mean that God has not fulfilled His promise when someone I know falls by the sword, so to speak. What I know concerning God, our Good Shepherd, through Jesus Christ our Lord, is that He is with that person who's a part of His flock right through the valley of the shadow of death. Right through death itself, the shepherd walks. Right through death itself, the shepherd walks and ushers the one who dies into eternal life. Oh, that's deep protection. Deep indeed. Not only does the shepherd provide for his sheep and comfort his sheep and protect his sheep, the shepherd guides the sheep. You know that. The shepherd knows where to go and he, he guides his sheep. And as we think of our good shepherd and our life, one of the things we're reminded of is that God tells us to come to him for wisdom, correct? Remember the epistle of James? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally, is the old word, and just showers it on you. There's some sense in which guidance is important because we need it and we ask God for it and God gives it to us. He gives us insight. But let's be honest, on other occasions, the insight seems to be absent. And even God seems to be absent. And we feel like we're wandering around in the dark and we're saying, I'm asking for guidance, I'm asking for wisdom here, God, and I'm not getting anything. It seems like silence. In the midst of that asking, God is still there to provide us with wisdom. He's still there to guide us. You know, sometimes we don't think of guidance the way I'm about to describe it. We think of guidance as, this is what I ought to do. Lord, show me how to do it. And, and now I know how to walk. What we don't think of as guidance frequently is this. Guidance. And wisdom is God imparting to us an eternal perspective on the reality that is ours. That is to say, guidance basically means this, among other things. It means that when I do not understand, when I cannot figure out the circumstances, I rely on the reality that my life is held in the hands of God and He understands the beginning from the end and He gives me an eternal perspective. To understand it all? No, but to trust Him in it all. I can't understand the beginning from the end. And my circumstances frequently do not make sense. But I trust in the God who is my eternal shepherd. And He gives me an eternal perspective on the reality that I walk through right now to trust Him. That too is guidance, isn't it? Guidance not because you have the answer. But guidance because you know the shepherd. 
God protects, He guides, He leads us, uh, and He carries us. He carries us when we can't walk ourselves. That is our good shepherd. The one who lays down his life for his sheep. You know, throughout the Old Testament, the prophets would frequently refer to God as shepherd. Or they would refer to prophets who were false shepherds and say, that's not the way you're supposed to be a shepherd. And of course, then David gives us this poetic imagery, which is profound. And and people seem to know by heart more than any other passage in the Bible. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And then at this time of the year, we're reminded that Christ fulfills all those images. Steps into those images and becomes our good shepherd. As I think about the Good Shepherd and this season of the year, two questions come to mind. The first is this. Do you know the Good Shepherd? Not do you know about the Good Shepherd, but do you count yourself as a member of the Good Shepherd's flock? Have you said to the Good Shepherd, I want to be one of your sheep? Can I surrender myself to you? If you haven't, you don't understand the nature of this yet, not experientially. And this would be a wonderful time of the year to say, I want you to be my good shepherd. You know, conversion comes in many ways, doesn't it? Many words and many approaches. My suggestion is that it could happen for you this year, right here, right now, by just saying these words. Oh, Lord Jesus, please be my shepherd. I'm willing to follow you. Have you made that commitment? That's the first question. Second question, it's for me and for the rest of you. If you've made that commitment, which most of you have, are you living like you made the commitment? Are you truly surrendering to the shepherd? Are you spending much of your time and energy fretting and worrying and being angry with your circumstances? Or are you surrendering daily your life to the wisdom of the great shepherd and following him and trusting him? On any given day, I live my life like there is no shepherd. I live my life like one sheep following my own way. But on occasion, I'm reminded that that's the wrong way to live. And I circle back around to the center Remembering uh, my good shepherd. By the way, you know this, right? It's not automatic that the Lord is your good shepherd. The Lord's the sovereign of the universe, but he might not be your good shepherd. That's a decision you make to follow him. You surrender, you trust, and then you follow. I don't believe I've ever uh, ended a sermon quite like this, but today I I want to. I want us to read together. Um, I'm going to come down there with you. I want us to read together. It'll be on the screen, the 23rd Psalm. And I want you to read it with this in mind. Is the Lord my shepherd? If he's not, this could be the prayer 
the new beginning of life for you? You could receive him as your shepherd. If like me, you look at the screen and you see those words that you've repeated tens of thousands of times, you say to yourself, am I following the good shepherd the way, the way I know I should? The Lord is my shepherd. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And together, we will read this and make our commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy call me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd, we thank You for entering this world and demonstrating what God was like. We thank You for laying down Your life in human flesh as a sacrifice for our sins and inviting us to follow You as as a Good Shepherd. And we thank you, Lord, for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that allows us to make such a decision, reminds us to walk with you, and guides us into all truth. We pray, especially in this season, that you will help us uh, to renew our commitment to surrendering our life to you, our Good Shepherd. And we pray, Lord, that uh, this season, perhaps today or another day, Someone will make a commitment to the Good Shepherd. Uh, They will give up on trying to direct their own life. They will give up on trying to find meaning on their own. Uh, They will give up on the perfectionism that is really a weight of sin. And they will admit their sinful nature and turn to you as their Lord and experience forgiveness. And we'll thank you for that. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, This morning is Communion Sunday.